this morning, I've got an incredible task ahead of me. I've, I've got to be real honest with you, all right? Real, real honest with you. Um, I, I, I knew I got this uh, sermon title. My sermon title is uh, Matthew, by the way. Matthew Overview, right? I'm speaking after Pastor Chu. He spoke for first and second. So I got this title last year, and I was preparing for it. I was like reading for it. I was like, wow, this, I, I love doing overviews. I used to do Bible overviews in, in two hours. The whole Bible summarized in two hours. So I love overviews. But how do you do a Matthew Overview in 45 minutes, right? Uh, so I I, I was confused. I didn't know how to do it. I was like, Pastor Chu, what's your direction? What, what do you want to tell the church? And then I sat down with him uh, about a week and a half ago, and he told me his sermon, and then I got real excited. I'm like, yes, yes, this is the direction, right? This is what uh, uh, the God really wants to tell the church. So I'm really excited. I hope you catch my fire. I hope you catch my passion, right, about, about Matthew. Um, um, uh, there's going to be a lot of objectives. I don't normally tell the objectives of my sermon before I preach, right, but I, I, for this sermon, I will. I'm hoping hoping that all of you, after this sermon, will get excited about the book of Matthew. We're going to get excited to read the book of Matthew, right? We're going to also going to get excited to be disciples of Christ. We want to follow Jesus. I'm hoping, and if, if, if all of you say yes to these two questions, I think I, 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 I can pat myself on the back. I can sleep tonight, right? I say, thank you, Jesus. You're with me today, all right? Uh, so that's my two objectives for the Matthew overview. Uh, uh, before I go into uh, what I want to say, I think all of you already know, and if you don't already know, this is our theme for 2019, Together We Follow Jesus, right? So can everybody say with me uh, the theme for 2019? One, two, three. Excellent. Together we follow Jesus. And the word follow Jesus is really, uh, uh, really defines the word discipleship. What, what is being a disciple of Christ? If you boil everything down to its bare essentials, being a disciple of Christ is really just to follow Jesus. And, and perfectly speaking, the book of Matthew, it's a manual to teach us how to follow Jesus, how to be disciples of Christ, how to make more disciples, how to be a good disciple, how do, how do we follow Jesus. So Matthew is that book. Now, I want to say a few things. A lot of people have been asking me, yes, yesterday I was at a service, um, a lot of people asked me, okay, you're preaching, Pastor Chu is preaching, are you going to say the same thing, right? And my answer to, 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 to them and to all of you here is, the answer is yes, we will be saying the same things 80% of the time. Okay, and my answer is also no. We will not be saying the uh, 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 the same things because we are two different people, right? So I see Matthew from one angle, he sees Matthew from another angle, but basically the direction and the conclusion will be the same. So please, I encourage you, please do go back and watch Pastor Chu's sermon. I call it the sermon 1.A, and I, mine is 1.B. All right, so it's the same thing, but it gives you the overview of the overview. So what I want to do for this sermon is I want to really go into the book of Matthew. And I want to give you a skeleton for the book of Matthew. What, what is the book of Matthew? I'm going to give you the skeleton. As, as I give you the skeleton, uh, when you go back and read the book, or when you come back uh, uh, for our services throughout the years, for the next 40, 40, for 45 weeks, and, you, and we, we study each chapter into details, right? And then each chapter you realize, oh, this is a lung. I can fit it in the skeleton here. This is a feet. I put it in a skeleton here, right? So you're not confused to make the anatomy of a whole body. So that's my objective. I really want to uh, give you a brief overview of what Matthew is about. So bear with me. This is going to be what it is. And I hope you all can see. I try to make it as, as large as possible. Matthew overview. Don't worry. I, 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 we, I'll have clearer slides. Matthew overview. First, I want to talk about the background of Matthew. What is Matthew? What is the background of Matthew? Then I want to go through not every chapter, but chunks, 
of the chapters of Matthew, right? So as you can see, the first four chapters of Matthew, uh, uh, Matthew introduced the, the purpose of why he wrote the book. He didn't go into so detail, but he gave you a very vague purpose of why he wrote the book of Matthew. And then he ends the book of Matthew by clarifying what his purpose is. So then he ends the book by giving you a very clear summary of what his purpose of writing the book. So if you, if you, if you feel like you don't even want to read Matthew this year, please do. But if, you, if you're one of those that, I don't want to read Matthew, I want to read Mark, right? At least read the last five uh, verses of Matthew. That is the purpose and that's the climax of Matthew, right? And then in between the bread, there is the meat. Now, what is the meat? The meat can be divided into five large chunks, five sections, right? So you've got a beef, you've got chicken, you've got prawns, you've got, I don't know what burger this is right now, um, uh, right? You've got all sorts of, uh, all sorts of meat and, and the meat is kingdom life, kingdom mission, kingdom growth, kingdom community, kingdom future, so he starts with a purpose, he gives you the five chunks, the five meat, and then he ends and closes and ties everything up with a purpose once again. So that's my job. Why you should listen to Pastor Chu's sermon is because he gives, he zooms out one more step, and there's a step above background of Matthew. He tells us all why God asked us to do Matthew this year. All right? So Matthew is the, the gospel to the Jews. Matthew, Matthew is a manual to the, of discipleship. He covers that. I will not be. So please still do listen to that sermon. But I zoom in to the book of Matthew. Well, following me so far? Yeah. I'm doing more of a teaching this morning rather than a preaching, okay? Uh, uh, the book of Matthew. All right. What is the book of Matthew? You know, in those days, there's only two big cultures that use the word disciples. The, the, when, you, when you study Roman culture, you, you don't really see the word disciple in Roman culture. There's no, there's no uh, Romans don't, don't, don't really have disciples or discipleship in, in their culture, right? So the other two big civilizations that uses the word discipleship are first the Jews and secondly the Greeks. Now, the word discipleship is mathetas, right? And it's taken from the Greek word, uh, mathetas, disciple. And the Greek, when, when, if you're in Greek culture in those times, when they use the word disciple, you are my disciple, or he, I am your disciple, either ways, they mean that I'm a student to you. You are my teacher. I'm a student to you. So I listen to you, I, I, I will learn from you, and, and I respect you, I look up to you as my teacher. But that's the extent of the Greek word discipleship. You're just student-teacher. Right? I can choose at any time to walk away. I can choose at any time uh, uh, to not listen to you and follow another teacher. I can choose at any time, but that's just the meaning of disciple. But when the Bible uses the word disciple, it's very, very different from the Greek. When the Bible uses the word disciple, it really means, it really means life. This is what it means. When a Jew say to another Jew, you are my disciple, usually they're they a rabbi. Okay, I want you as my disciple, right? So they're a rabbi. It means that you have to be absolutely, totally submitted to me. Everything I say, you do. You, there's no question, there is no rebuttal, there is no rebuke, there is no, there is no why, huh? why should I do this, I don't want to, no. It's just you're an absolute, you agree to be in absolute submission to me. You also agree that how I interpret the Bible is the interpretation. So at, at that time, we read through the book of Acts. Uh, there are many, many, many rabbis with many, many different interpretations, right? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, right? They have different interpretations of the Bible. But if you're my disciple, you follow my interpretation. My interpretation is the interpretation, right? So there's a lot more criteria to be discipleship. But there's one big criteria that every single commentator agrees on. It's really this. At that time, there is no formula of discipleship. 
There is no structure of discipleship. There is also no such thing as the word mentor at that time, right? There's, there's no structure. And now these days, we like to follow a book. We like to follow a syllabus. We like to follow a program in church or maybe cell group. Now, that's not wrong. I'm not saying that's wrong. But at those times, there's no structure. What discipleship is, is life to life. You follow me all the days of your life, and I will teach you. And all you do is you imitate what I do. That's it. Right? That's discipleship. So when I go and eat, you eat with me. When I prepare food, you prepare food with me. When I study the Torah, you study the Torah with me, right? When I go to the toilet, you wait outside, all right? All right? You know, stuff like that, right? So that's discipleship, right? It's just an imitation of life. It's just life to life. So now these days, it's really difficult to really actually have a disciple. Why? Because Christ has come. We no longer follow. Like, Pastor Chu don't call me his disciple. Because at the end of the day, He's pointing me to Christ. He's not pointing me to Him. Do you understand? So if anybody in this church, the moment you want to disciple someone and you point that person to yourself, it's a, you started on the wrong foot. We, we no longer have that form because we no longer point everybody to us. We are no longer the rabbis. We are no longer the authority. Christ is the authority. Christ is the teacher, the rabbi. We just point us, everybody. My job as a pastor this morning is to point you to Him. You don't have to follow my life, right? I go to the toilet at 7 a.m. in the morning. You can do it at 7.30. That's fine, right? That's okay. Well, but, but we're going to point, we, we want to point you to Christ. So we follow Jesus. We don't follow SIVKL. We don't follow the church. We follow Jesus. And then Jesus tells us to follow the church, right? Okay. Um, um, the background of Matthew. So Matthew starts this way. Matthew is the gospel of, for the Jews, and he wants to break several mindsets of the, of, of, of the Jews at that time, right? So one of the great mindsets at the background is this. What is discipleship? So this is the Jewish mindset. This is the present age. Right now, what we're living in the present age. So a lot of the Jews believe, right, that the Messiah is going to come at one point of, of their life. The Messiah is going to come. And when the Messiah comes, it instills, it brings about the future age. And then we will all, Jewish or proselyte, we will all reign with God in the millennium to come. Right? So that's the Jewish mindset. But what is discipleship? Why is the book of Matthew the book of discipleship? It's really this. That's the background. It's really this. The purpose of Matthew is to tell us that, hey, discipleship is really this. All right? Messiah is not a figure that is to come. Messiah has come. Right? Messiah. So, so Matthew pushed the vertical line all the way to the left and say, hey, we are not waiting for a Messiah. We have the Messiah. The Messiah is here. And he introduces this in, his, in the first chapter of his book. He tells us Messiah is here in this verse. Uh, uh, Matthew 1 verse 23. They will call him Emmanuel, God with us. You see, you see why it's so important for Matthew to tell us that God is with us? It's because he wants to tell every single Jew, God is not to come. God is with us. And this morning, God wants to tell all of us here, God is with us. He's here. If there's an empty seat next to you, he's sitting right next to you, right? If there's an empty seat in your heart, he's sitting in your heart. God is with us. So the first purpose is to tell the Jews or tell us when we read the book of Matthew that God is with us, Emmanuel. But secondly, what is discipleship? God is saying, uh, Matthew is saying, now that God is with us, uh, what now? What now? Are we ruling with him? And then Matthew says, yes, we are. Why? Because now that Christ has come and he is king, 
He, we no longer live in the present age being ruled by the prince of the air, which is Satan. He raises the bar and says that we are now seated in Christ in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 2, verse 6. We are seated with him in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? It means that we're seated on this top line here. It means that now we know that we eternity belongs to us. The kingdom of heaven belongs to us. We are to bring heaven to earth to bring heaven to earth. So we no longer live in defeat. We no longer live under the dominion of Satan. We live and we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Why? Why do I say this? It's because he takes it from Matthew 4. Matthew 4. You see, in, in Luke, in Mark, in every single gospel, they, they, tell, they tell us the first uh, word that Jesus said after he, was, he came back from the wilderness, right? So Jesus was baptized, he went to the wilderness, and then uh, uh, the accounts, Luke and Matthean, uh, sorry, the Lucan and Markan account tells us that Jesus said, I'm here to, for the blind eyes to be opened, I'm here to heal the sick, right? So that is his first word. But Matthew doesn't say any of that. Matthew says Jesus has one purpose and one purpose alone. He's asking everybody, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why? First, he's telling people that the Messiah is here. He pushed forward the timeline. And then he's telling people, because Messiah is here, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand means here, now. We have it right now in our hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. So if Matthew was here, he would tell SIBKL to say, hey, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and all of us here have the responsibility to bring heaven to earth. And this process... It's called discipleship. Amen. This process is called discipleship. At the end of the year, if you want to ask yourself, how do I know I've loved Jesus, followed Jesus more and more, then you ask yourself, have you brought heaven to earth? Have you have a kingdom mindset instead of an earthly mindset? Do you have an eternal eyes instead of a temporary eyes? Have you brought heaven to earth? All right? So that's the purpose of Matthew. Is that all right, everyone? That's the purpose of Matthew, and he's going to end by saying the exactly the same thing. But right now, I want to take you to the five big chunks. How and what is the kingdom? How do we know that the kingdom is here? Do I want to be part of this kingdom? What does, this, what does being part of this kingdom really, really mean? Who is this king that thinks he can be king over my life? And then Matthew tells you in five big chunks, kingdom life, kingdom mission, kingdom growth, kingdom community, and kingdom future, all right? Let me take you through a really quick overview. Kingdom life. So purpose, chapter 1 to 4, kingdom life, chapter 5 to 7. Kingdom life. He starts, when Jesus starts his ministry, he starts with the Sermon on the Mount. You know, um, I know we're not at war, Praise the Lord. I pray we'll never be at war. Uh, but we've read war stories, right? If you know me, I love war stories. I, I love war movies. I watch every sniper movie, every zombie movie, even if there's war, right? I watch every TV series. I like The Pacific. I like Band of Brothers, right? I watch Band of Brothers five times because it's so good, right? That's me. I like uh, Saving Private Ryan because it's so good. So I like war movies, right? And in, in every war movie, it, the king or the general is bringing a kingdom to another a territory, Right? And when the king or the general brings the king or his kingdom to that territory, there is a certain set of rules that his, his subjects or his servants need, need to live by. What does the kingdom of God look like? Now, this is the Sermon of the Mount, all right? This is just a picture. This is not an in-depth study, right? We're going to in-depth study in a few weeks' time, but this is just a picture. This is what the Sermon of the Mount 
look like. It, Matthew tells us that, that if you want to be part of this kingdom, if you want to live a lifestyle that reflects the king of this kingdom, it tells you, you've got to be poor in spirit. You've got to, you've got to pray. You don't judge. You love your enemies. The world tells you to hate your enemies, to kill them, to take revenge. But this king tells you to love your enemies. The world tells you that the poor should be oppressed because they have no, they have no future, right? Only the rich have a future. The poor should be oppressed. They should, they, they don't, they should not even be a part of my elite community. The kingdom of heaven says, no, we give to the poor. We don't oppress the poor, right? The, the, the world tells us that, hey, it's okay to have multiple partners. It's okay to divorce your first wife and then have a second and then have a third. It's okay. But the kingdom of heaven says there's no divorce. He's strict about it. If you really read Matthew, no divorce, right? One partner for life, right? Right? Uh, the kingdom of the world says, hey, I, I would take what I want to take. I will be merciless in my business strategy. I'll be merciless when I live my life. But the kingdom of heaven says, I demand mercy, not sacrifice. In book of Matthew, right? So that's really kingdom life. Matthew starts by telling us all. So if you read chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, Matthew starts by telling us all that this is the life that God wants to see in us. In order for us to follow Jesus, we want to be His disciples. Do we reflect all of this here? This is not an exhaustive list. There is, of course, more. But do we reflect all of this? Are we sought and light? Are we able to reconcile with our brothers? Are we able to forgive? And if we say yes, then we know that the kingdom of heaven is on earth because this kingdom of heaven is different from the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of my flesh. It's absolutely different. And today, I want to open the first question. Do, do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to be a part of this kingdom? Do, do you want it? Do you want to be salt and light? Do you want to know how to forgive instead of hate? Do you know how to be faithful to one woman instead of many? Do you want to know what it means to be meek and humble instead of proud and boastful? Do you want? And if the answer is yes, you begin your journey as a disciple of Christ. You want to follow Jesus. Amen, church? Number one, the kingdom life. And then he brings us all to kingdom mission. So now that we know what our lives should look like, now that we know what our lifestyles should look like, so this is what, this is what when people see, hey, you belong to the kingdom of Jesus. Oh, right, okay, so this is what your life should look like. Now, what should your life and mission be in this kingdom? What do you need to do in this kingdom? Okay, so I, all, do I, do all, all I have to be is just meek and humble and no, not judging to people. That's all I need to be. God says, no, the kingdom of God is also much more than that. There is a mission for every single disciple. There's a mission for every single follower of Jesus. And the mission of God is really this. And he continues in chapter 8 to chapter 9. First, Matthew is, you know, now that I'm studying Matthew, I find that he's a genius, right? Um, I, I use, uh, uh, my, in my Bachelor's of Theology, um, I did the book of Mark, and I did the book of John, and I thought, wow, these two are my, the greatest gospel writers, right? But now that I'm studying Matthew, I'm changing my mind a little bit. I think Matthew is a genius when he writes the book, right? Um, first, he, he, gives, he gives us, in this, in this uh, uh, one, two, three, three chapters, he gives us nine miracles. Why he picked the nine? Not too sure, but he gives us nine miracles. He says, hey, in this kingdom, this king can heal the leper. This king is amazed by the faith of a centurion. This king can heal a sick mother, calm the storm, cast out demons, heal a paralyzed man, heal, uh, uh, raise a dead girl to life, heal a sick woman, and heal the blind and the mute. This king, this king has power. 
This king has authority. This kingdom uh, allows us to operate in the supernatural. But there's a purpose of why he put the nine miracles here. So he, first he put the first three, and then he says something. And then he put the second three, and then he says another thing. What did he say? He says, follow me. Right? Right? So he tells us that this king can heal this king. He's amazed at the faith. This king can heal the sick mother. And then he says, will you follow me? What does that mean? It means, will you do the same? When you want to follow the king that has healed the leper, will you pray for the sick? Will you, will you be amazed by the faith of people? Will you heal the sick mother? And, he, and then Matthew says, Jesus said, will you follow me? Right? And then Matthew says, okay, maybe that's not enough. Let's give you another three. Jesus is, has authority over the weather. Jesus has authority in the spiritual world. Jesus has authority over a crippled man. And then he says, will you follow me? And interestingly enough, this second time is when Matthew wrote that he followed Jesus. This is when Matthew followed Jesus. When Matthew saw the second uh, column of third miracles, that's when Matthew followed Jesus. Because Jesus said, I went to a tax collector's house and I saw a guy called Matthew and I asked him to follow me and Matthew left everything and followed him. That is when Matthew said, okay, this is when I realized, hey, this king is different from other kings. And in this church, when you see a miracle, when you see someone praying for the sick, and when you see someone being healed or you see someone's faith rise up, Jesus is asking you, would you follow me? Will you do the same, right? And then there's another three blocks of miracles, right? And this time, Jesus didn't say, follow me. He says, if you're not convinced by now, you won't be convinced. You can go. But if you are convinced, there is one more. Go and evangelize. He ends this chapter, in chapter 10, by sending the disciples two by two. Remember? All right? He sends the disciples two by two and says that if you see what I did for the kingdom, the kingdom of God is to bring healing and to bring faith and to bring authority into this world, heaven on earth, to bring authority to this world. Now, Jesus says, if you are my disciple and if you want to follow me, you will go and evangelize. Now, in this sermon, I'm not asking you to go two by two, all right? The outer call is not to go two by two and then go to all these office blocks and evangelize. No, it's really this. Will you take the first step and say, Jesus, I want to go. I Send me. Don't send him. Don't send her. Send me because I want to follow you. Now, what does it mean when I say send me? You tell me, Jesus. Who do you want me to speak to about you? Because I'm proud to be in this kingdom. I'm proud to have you as my King Jesus. Send me. I want to evangelize. And that's the second. That's our mission. Follow him to tell the world who he is. That's kingdom mission. And we zoom out again. And then uh, after Matthew says, this is the kingdom of God. This is the mission of God. Now, how do you grow his kingdom? You know, uh, no king wants a kingdom that is stagnated or a kingdom that is decreasing in size, right? And every king, and especially a good king, wants their kingdom to grow. And in this next chapter, Matthew says in chapter 11 to chapter 13, I want, Jesus wants the kingdom of heaven to grow. Now, what does this look like? It's the challenge of church growth. What is the challenge? You know, a lot of us say, when I, when I invited you to say, hey, follow Jesus, 100%, I want to follow Jesus. And then when I invite you to say, go evangelize to the nations, half the hands goes down, right? Yeah, it's okay. Can we be honest in this place? You know, not everybody's like, oh, I'm not too sure if I want to go and evangelize. Are you sure following Jesus is to say, go and evangelize? I'm not too sure. Why? We're afraid. Why are we afraid? Don't worry. It's not just you. It's me as well, right? Why are we afraid? Because in, 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 the, in chapter 11 and chapter 12, 
Jesus said, when you evangelize, when you tell the world, when you pray for the sick, when you do miracles, there's only two responses people can give you. They either accept the kingdom or they reject the kingdom. And that's what we're afraid of. We're afraid of going out to tell people. We're afraid of praying to the sick because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid that people will laugh in our face. We're afraid that when we pray for the sick, nobody's going to get healed, and then they're going to laugh at my face, right? We're afraid that, hey, you know, I'm proud to be the child of God, right? And then, and then people laugh at me and ask me a deep theological question that I cannot understand, and then I, and then I walk away ashamed, right? I'm afraid. I'm afraid of rejection. And, and in, the, in, in, in the book of Matthew, he writes, Jesus himself went out. Some of them accepts him. Some of them just say, hey, you know, I'm not too sure, you know, I'll, you know, I'll come to church one more time to see, right? And some of them just say outright, nope, I don't want. And then it's, it's really serious. In the book of Matthew, God says, okay, woe to you, Bethsaida. I, 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 I performed miracles in your town and you still refuse. It's better for you to burn in Hades than, than you, know, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So he's really serious. About so if people reject Jesus, he asks us to go. When people say no to us, we got to remember they're not saying no to us. They're saying no to Jesus. We can still be their friends. They're just saying no to Jesus. They're saying, no, I don't want to be a part of this kingdom. I don't want to be a part of this famine. And then he ends by saying six parables. And every one of these parables, it's about people who say yes, people who say no, or people who are indifferent about the kingdom of God. The parable of the sower. I sow some seeds here. They say yes. I sow some seeds here. They say no. I sow some seeds here. Eh, indifferent, right? So you read all the six parables. So this is, this is kingdom growth. So he's asking the church to say, go out and speak. It is not your responsibility to make them say yes. It is our responsibility to bring heaven to earth. It is our responsibility to go out there and evangelize. It is our responsibility to be proud of the king, to say, I am a child of God, and I want to tell you that being part of this family is the best decision you can make in your life. That is our responsibility. Whether they say yes, whether they say no, is not our responsibility. That's the purpose of this whole section, the challenge of growth. And I'm challenging you, challenging you this morning. Do you still want to follow Jesus? Are you willing to say yes? I'm excited. I want to bring this word of God to the world. Do you still want to follow Jesus, right? And if you're still unconvinced, you're like, oh, this is getting harder and harder, right? First, it's the lifestyle I need to lead. And then after that, I, you know, Jesus wants me to pray for the sick and do miracles. And then now Jesus asks me to go and evangelize to the world, whether, I'm ex whether they accept or reject. This is tough. It's not over, friends. There is another section. And he says, now that now the kingdom has grown, right? There's going to be a kingdom community. This is the kingdom community. And in the next seven chapters, Matthew writes all about what the kingdom community is, the kingdom principles. Now that you've brought people into the kingdom, you've brought people into the community, this is SIBKL's community, right? Other churches have their own communities. What does, what does this community look like? What does following the king look like? And he says, do, do, you, want to, do you want to do supernatural things? You must have faith. Do, do you want to be the greatest? in the kingdom of God? Do, do you want to be the greatest? Can you imagine if Jesus turns to you and says, you, you are the greatest. Wow. He did that to the centurion, right? He says, you would, can you, I, I would love it if Jesus one day say to me, Isaac, you are the greatest. I'd be like, why? But, but I would like it. I'm like, I'm not too sure why. He says, there's only one formula. You must be the meekest, the humblest to be the greatest. You see, the world tells us to be the greatest, you need to exert your authority. You need to be strong character. You need to, be, you need to have a lot of money. You need to have followers that would follow you no matter what. You say, eat, they eat. You say, go, they go. You say, die, they die. You must have this. Then you are the greatest. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You want to be the greatest in the kingdom? You've got to be the humblest. 
You've got to be the meekest. You want to have honour? Oh, come on, we are Chinese, right? We all want honour. In the Chinese New Year, everything is about honour, right? You give two oranges because you honour the, the, the host. You, you give ang pao because you honour the other person, right? It's all about honour. And Jesus says, if you want to be honoured in this kingdom, you need to serve. You don't gain honour by who you are. Oh, I am a son of this title, that person, this person. Oh, oh, I am the richest man in this church, therefore you must give me honour. God says, no, 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 no. That is not the honour I'm looking for in my kingdom. In my kingdom, when you serve me, I will give you honour. Do you still want to be part of this kingdom? And then he says, hey, do you want to have peace in your life? Do you want to have peace? Forgive. Forgive your enemies. Don't take revenge. Don't, 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 don't steal in anger. Forgive, and you have peace. And then God says, okay, I'm taking snippets, right? There's a lot more, but I only tell you five. And God says, do you want to have true wealth? All of us here are looking for financial freedoms. The financial freedom uh, 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 um, um, seminars are packed with people who want to be financially free, right? I, I recently got bombarded with emails saying that if you, if you save 1300 a month now, you'll be, um, uh, you have $6 million in 30 years' time, right? If you save 4000 now, you'll be uh, $10 million in 30 years' time. And I'm thinking to myself, it's okay. If I can save 500, I'll be happy already. All right? Okay, you know, I go, wow, you guys, you know, that's a lot. All right? If you want true wealth, God says, it's not about this. It's not about the moolah. It's not about the money. It's about being generous. Are you able to give away? Are you able to give something to the pledge forms? That's true wealth. And that's the kingdom community principle. When you want to be a part of this community, God says, you want to follow me? These are the principles that we live by. Amen, church? Amen. And then he, he doesn't stop there. He says, oh, is it tough? Oh, it's tough. Don't ask me to serve, pastor. It's tough. Don't ask, don't ask me to forgive, pastor. Do you know what that guy did to me? It's tough. And he says, okay, it's going to get tougher. There's one more block. Kingdom future. Kingdom future. What is kingdom future? Kingdom future is this. There is always going to be a power struggle. Now, when the king brings his kingdom on earth, do you not think the kingdom of darkness will not challenge him? There will always be a challenge. There will always be a fight for your life. There will always be a fight from the enemy. And just in case you want to give the, the devil so much credit, oh, if I fall sick, it's the devil. If I have an accident, it's the devil. Everything's the devil. So it's nothing is your fault, right? Everything's the devil, right? The devil's attacking me, so I must pray a bit more. No, no, that's not wrong. I'm not, I'm not, look, look, I'm not scorning you. That's not wrong. That's okay. But I, I want to say there's another kingdom that opposes the kingdom of light the kingdom of flesh, just so you know, right? If you fall into addiction and you want to do something that you know is not right, first say, is it my flesh or is it convenient for me to just blame the enemy? It could be my flesh. I just, I just want to smoke one more time. I just want to get drunk one more time, right? I just want to come to church in, a, in, a, you know, in, in skimpy clothing one more time, right? I just want to be rude to the other person one more time. And the king and God says in the, in, in, the last, in the second last block of Matthew, every time you, if you commit to be in this kingdom, if you commit to follow Jesus, don't forget, there is going to be a power struggle in your life. There's going to be a struggle between the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of flesh that would fight so that we would lose our life, so that we would lose our destiny. John 10.10. 10. Amen, church? And what does this look like? And that's why, if you read this book, now you understand a bit clearer, I hope, right? When you read Jesus at the temple, when he cleansed the temple, he overturned the tables and he cleansed the temple. Yes, a lot of people, there's a lot of conclusions that we can make. But the main conclusion is this. At the last portion, when Jesus cleansed the temple, he says, Jesus left. 
when he cleansed, he didn't, there's no follow-up. There's no saying, okay, now I'll disciple you on how to treat the temple better. There's nothing. He just cleansed, he whipped everybody, and he just says, Jesus left. Why? Because their hearts were hardened, and they, Jesus could not come in to establish his authority over the temple in Jerusalem. And that's why shortly after, Jesus told the parable to the disciples, I will set up my own temple in three days. I will destroy this one, and I will set up my own temple in three days. And in this temple, they will crown me king. They will give me authority. And that's why there's a power struggle. This morning, if Jesus is speaking to you, he's coming into your temple. This is your temple. The bod your body is your temple. He's coming to your temple, and he's cleansing something. He overturns the table, and he whips you. He, dis he disciplines you, and he says, he rebukes you, my child. You have done this wrong, and I'm coming to your temple to cleanse him. The power struggle is, do you then crown him king, or you chase him away? Kingdom of flesh or kingdom of heaven? Which one do you want? That's a struggle. And Jesus says there's a, there's a fig, fig tree. Remember the fig tree parable? And Jesus said, I pray and speak to the fig tree, and the fig tree dies. You can do the same. If you say to the mountain, be cast into the sea, it will be cast into the sea. The only problem is doubt. Do you have faith or do you doubt? That's a struggle. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is about the kingdom of faith, a lot of the parables in Matthew is about faith. Do you have faith that when you pray, you believe without a shadow of a doubt that I will be healed, that I will get that uh, promotion, that I would overcome my addiction? I have absolute faith. I will hold on to you and never let go. Or will you give in to the kingdom of flesh or the kingdom of enemy where they sow doubt into your life? No, lah, Jesus don't want to heal you. Who are you that Jesus wants to heal you? You think you're so grand that Jesus wants to heal you? You think you're a child of God? No, 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 no. No, Pastor Lee is the child of God. Who are you? Right? Right? Please, uh, please, please. Right? Doubt. Power struggle. Faith or doubt. The signs of the end times. When end times, we're living in the end times, right? There's a lot of things. Please read the whole chapter. Jesus asked, you want to be faithful or do you want to fall? When you say you want to follow Jesus, are you willing to be faithful to the end? Or when the when the going gets real tough at the end, when the going gets real tough, right? When there's problems in my life and when, the, when I'm in the furnace and I'm in the hot pot and it's boiling and it's hot, when the going gets tough, will you be faithful or will you fall? And Jesus says, my followers will be faithful all the way to the very end and then I will give them glory. And it's just the parable of talents. I've given all of you talents here. Will you be good stewards or will you be lazy about it? There's always a power struggle. Will you be good stewards of your talents or will you be lazy? And the last one, sheep and goats. Basically, the sheep and goats is saying that will you give to the poor? And God is saying, will you serve or will you ignore? When you see a need, will you serve that need? Or will you just say, no, it's okay. I pretend not to see it, right? And I, and I walk in the other direction. This is not the need that I want to, to, to pray for. I want to pray for the other type of needs. Will you serve or will you ignore? Church, do you still want to follow Jesus? Is it still exciting to follow Jesus? And let me end with this, you know. Matthew takes us on this journey of discipleship, and he says, either A or either B. Either A or either B. I want you to pick A, following Jesus. Don't pick the kingdom of the darkness. Pick A. Don't pick kingdom of darkness. Pick A. The whole book of Matthew is about A or B. And then he ends with this. He's saying, at the end of the day, we have, no, we, we have no strength, we have no energy to fight the kingdom of darkness. We have no strength, we have nothing in us to fight the kingdom of flesh. In fact, if we, if we leave all to our own business, 
we will gladly follow the kingdom of flesh first before we follow the kingdom of light. We will gladly follow our flesh. We say, yes, flesh, I will feed you every day. Yes, right. Yes, make sure you're fat, oily, and plump, right? And the kingdom of light is like skinny, like, you know, those skinny cows and skinny milk, right? Right? And then Matthew says, don't worry. Don't worry, church. I end my book with this, that Jesus died on that cross and he defeated the enemy for us. He's saying that if you, if you are struggling with being in his kingdom, in the, in the area of forgiveness, don't worry. Jesus has died for your sins. Jesus has won the victory for you. Only if, only if you will say yes to follow him. If you're struggling in the area of, of addiction, don't, don't, don't worry. Jesus has won it all on that cross. And when he raised from the dead, you know, in, on that cross, the kingdom of darkness threw everything they had against that cross. And it says the only, the ultimate end power that the kingdom of darkness have is death. Death and hell. That's, that's the end goal of the kingdom of darkness in our life, to make us die and make us go to hell. And Jesus, when he rose on that third day, he conquered death and he came back victorious and says, now that if you follow me, you are victorious in me. Your righteousness is in me. Your goodness is in me. Your strength is in me. And if you want to be part of my kingdom, don't worry. I'm going to give you that victory. I'm going to give you that strength if and if only you say yes. I want to follow you. And Matthew ends with his last purpose, the great commission. And this is beautiful. He sandwiched the great commission with this. Then Jesus came to them. After Jesus has resurrected on the third day, Jesus said, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, the end of the book of Matthew. And this is what it means. Number one, the Great Commission. Remember I talked about the kingdom of heaven? How did he establish the kingdom of heaven? The resurrection on the cross. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. God is saying, at the resurrection, I establish my kingship and establish my kingdom, heaven on earth, and I am that king. All authority has been given to me, and if you follow me, you have that authority to cast out demons. You have that authority to pray for the sick, and they will get healed. You have the authority to speak into the life of a non-believer, and they would see the light of Jesus Christ in their life. You have that authority to live a principled lifestyle of the kingdom. You have that authority when the enemy comes against you in one way, you invict the authority of Jesus Christ that the enemy will flee in seven ways. That is the authority that we have if and if only we will follow Jesus. And then Jesus, and then Matthew continues, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them and obey everything I've commanded you. How do we activate this victory? Discipleship. Following Jesus. Go. Church, will you go and make disciples? Will you baptize them? And will you obey everything Jesus has commanded you? Will you go and make strong disciples? Will you go and make excellent disciples? Will you go and make dynamic disciples? Will you go and make disciples that will influence the nations? Will you go and make disciples that will impact generations? Will you go grow generations? SIPKL, will you? Will you say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to go and I want to make strong, excellent, dynamic disciples so that they will influence the nation to impact generations. I want to leave a legacy on this earth that Jesus, when I meet you again, I say, Jesus, I grow at least one disciple 
that's my KPI. His KPI is five. Pastor Chu's KPI is 20,000, right? It's okay, it's okay. Don't worry, don't worry. That's his KPI. Don't worry about him. What's it to you, right? Your KPI is one. Be faithful with one. He gave him one million, right? He gave Billy Graham 10 million converts. That's Billy Graham. He gave us one. You and me, one. Can we be faithful to one? Can we say yes to that one? And then you say, Pastor, but it's still tough. It's tough. Do you know what I'm struggling with? Do you know, I just, you know, yesterday someone told me he's just got cancer. How, how to go? I got cancer. I got, I got three kids. How to go? You know, someone told me I just lost my job and I don't have a prospect for another job. Pastor, how do, how do, I, how do I tithe to the church? How do I go and serve? I, I have to go out there and look for a job. I, I need to feed my family. It's tough. The kingdom of darkness is coming against me. It's tough. And the beauty of the book of Matthew is he doesn't end there. He doesn't, this is not a king that just says, go, 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 go. You do, you do, you do, you do, all right? This is a king that says, surely I am with you always. Emmanuel, God with us. What is the purpose of Matthew? Emmanuel, God with us. God is saying, hey, hey, is it tough? Is it tough? It's okay. I am not a king that waits here and asks you to come to me. Come, come, come. I am a king that will come to you hold you by the hand and says, I am with you. Is it tough? It's okay. I am with you. Is it tough to fight cancer? Yes. Don't worry. I am with you. Is it tough that you don't have a job and you don't, you don't know when is the next paycheck to put food on the table? It's okay. I am with you. Is it tough that you have three children and nobody to help you and, and you want to serve but you, but you have three children running at home? It's okay. I am with you. Is it tough to read your Bible every day? It's okay. I am with you. If you only say yes, you must first invite Him into your life and commit your life to Him. And He will say, I will be with you. And that is the book of Matthew. Are you excited to read it? Are you excited to follow Jesus this year? Do you want to say, yes, Jesus, that is me. I want to follow you through the thick and the thin. I want to follow you when it's tough and when it's not. I want to follow you and I want to see the joy that you have in front of me. I want to fulfill my prophetic destiny. And the only way I can do that is to say, yes, I will follow you. And I have the assurance that you are going to be with me. I have the assurance because you said all authority is belongs to you and you have given it to us. I have that assurance that when I say yes to you, you're not going to let me go and let me die. You're going to hold my hand and help me live. Amen, church. You know, I want to... I've been praying to God for like one week. What do I do? How do I end this sermon? And I want to, I want to end this sermon this way. I want everybody to just hopefully commit their lives against Jesus. He says, Jesus, oh man, I, it might have been tough. I may have fallen away, but that's okay. No condemnation. I may have backslidden. That's okay. No condemnation. Let this day be the day that you say, it's me, Jesus. It's me. It doesn't matter if he wants to. It doesn't matter if your whole family don't, don't, don't stand up or close their eyes or raise their hand. It doesn't matter, but it's, it's me, me. Jesus, it's me. I, I want to follow you. So can we have all eyes closed in this place? Can I just give one minute of silence before God and just say, God, this is me. And if let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning and say, hey, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you want to commit your life to Christ, you can just stand where you are. 
Just make the place your altar and says, God, this is me. I commit my life to you. No matter what will happen this year, I commit my life to you. I will follow you all the days of my life. May surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. When the going gets tough, you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When I want to do my Bible studies, you have anointed my head with oil. When I want to pray for someone, my cup overflows. When I want to know about the future, there's going to be green pastures ahead of me. You will lead me because of your name's sake. It's not because of me. When, you, when, I'm, when I'm thirsty, I'm, you're going to give me the waters of life and I'm going to drink from it and I will never ever thirst again. When I'm going through difficult situations, I know that you are going to be with me. When I'm lonely in the middle of the night, I know that you are going to be with me and I will cry myself to sleep, but I know that you're going to be with me. When I wake up in the morning, my, your mercies are new for me every day and you have turned my morning into gladness. And I, because I know that you are with me, church. If that is you, can I just invite you to stand? If that is you, I want to invite you to stand and say, Jesus, I'm committed to you. This is my desire to follow you all the days of my life. This is my desire to give you my heart. This is my desire to study the book of Matthew. This is my desire to walk with you step by step, to journey with you. And I said, okay, 2019 is one step. 2020 is another step. And when I take my last breath on this earth, I know I have completed my journey in Christ and that I have fulfilled my prophetic destiny in Christ. SIBKL, this will always be a church that would follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. This will be always a church that will honor and love Jesus all until the day He comes again and instills His church, His dominion and His authority on earth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You may commit your life to Christ silently in your own time, in your own heart. Commit your life to Christ. Give it all to Him again. Give it all to Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, oh God. Yes, oh God. Wow, what an awesome sight. What an awesome sight. Well, over 90% of you have stood up. That is amazing. You know, every part of the teaching of those blocks. Pastor Isaac asked, will you follow me? Will you follow Jesus? Will you follow Jesus? By standing up, you're saying to the Lord, yes, Lord, I want to live the kingdom lifestyle. By standing up, you're saying, yes, Lord, I want to, 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 to fulfill the kingdom mission. By standing up, you're saying, Pastor, I want to be part of the kingdom advance, the kingdom growth. I want to live my life in a kingdom community and I want to look forward to the kingdom future. Amen. That this world is not everything. I want to live for God. It's not just being brought out of the kingdom of darkness now, but to live in the kingdom of light now so that when Jesus comes, we are ready. Heaven on earth, that discipleship is so encouraging because there's so many of you standing up. Hallelujah. Why don't you just spend a moment of quietness before we close and we sing this song. Just spend a moment. Of, let's, 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 uh, this is a very solemn moment. And I want to believe that even as you stand up before God, not before us, but 
before God, you're saying, God, I surrender my life. I surrender my family. I surrender my business. I surrender my work. I surrender my future. You're a good God. And you will never shortchange me. Because I want to live the kingdom life. Thank you, Father God, that this is your church. We are your people. You see every single hand lifted up to you. You see every single heart lifted up to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And we're here to make a commitment to you, saying, Lord Jesus, we believe that you have died for our sins. We believe that you're resurrected on the third day. And we believe that all authority has been given to you, Father God, and we are seated with you in the heavenly realms. And our responsibility is to bring heaven and earth, oh Lord Jesus Christ, to show people that there is a new way, to show the world that there is light in their lives, oh Lord Jesus Christ. Use us, Father God. Send us, oh Lord Jesus Christ. This is going to be a church that's going to be like a city on a hill that will shine for you, Lord Jesus Christ. They will go out, Father God, that the church and the people the country will see that there is a new way there is a new way that there is your way oh Lord Jesus Christ so we commit Father God to following you all the days of our lives give us the strength oh Lord Jesus Christ to follow you give us the mercy and the grace to follow you oh Lord Jesus Christ because we know that you are with us that you are with us every step of the way. You have never forsaken us. You have never left us. You did not leave us orphans, O Lord Jesus Christ, but you called us your sons and your daughters. And we know that you will never, never, ever leave us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. So we thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for this great, wonderful year for the study of the book of Matthew. We commit our lives into your hands. And I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that your face will always shine upon us, that you will watch our going in and going out. And may the grace of the Father, the fellowship of the Son, and the love of the Holy Spirit will be with us forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering.